The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The Masculine Journey starts here, now. Welcome to the Masculine Journey. We are glad to have you with us today. It has been a nice week here. It actually got warmer here in North Carolina. And hopefully if you live somewhere outside North Carolina, it's not going that bad for you that it is getting warmer. And we sprang forward. We did. And it's ACC Tournament Week. Yeah. So we can't forget that. Well, yeah, but there's also like Big Ten and some really other... Uh, tournament. I didn't know they had conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking about a, a topic that I think touches each one of us at, at least at one point or another in our life, and if not several times throughout our life, which is part of the point of the, the topic today. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about your place in the story. So, Robbie, if I ask you, if you could help explain kind of what your place in the story means, could you could you do that for me? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do it in a few seconds rather than now. But essentially, there's a story that's been going on actually way before we got here. It goes back, you know, even further than Genesis 1. It goes back to when the, the Trinity was hanging out and in the, in the Gospel of John. And then, obviously, there's the whole part of where we get created, and then there's the fall. And then at some point in time, you know, almost in Act Three, the way that's described through John Eldridge's ministry is we come into the, the the play with a lot that's already taken place, and so we often find ourselves like we're coming on in the middle of a movie, and we don't know exactly why all this stuff is going on around us because none of it is seeming to make sense based mm-hmm. on what we're looking at every day um, as we wake up to all this stuff. You know, you had me at hello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you. That was a very nice way of saying it. And so, in other words, it's it's what's our purpose? Why are we here? Were we an accident? Were we intended? And and today we have a, a guest on the show, which we're very happy to have, Michelle. Nice to have you on the show, Michelle Brovitz. Right? Did I say yes, it correctly? Yes. Thanks. And so we're going to learn a little bit about Michelle and her story as we talk about this topic today. And so we want to go ahead and start with a clip. And in this clip, it's from the movie uh, Forrest Gump. And in this scene, you have Lieutenant Dan, who has come back from the Army, uh, from the war, uh, very much intending to have not come back <laughs> from the war. He thought that he was probably going to be killed in battle, and, and Forrest has saved him, and he's lost his legs. And so as, as he's struggling to find out, why am I here? What's my purpose? Let's listen to how that kind of plays out between the two of them. Now, you listen to me. We all have a destiny. Nothing just happens. It's all part of a plan. I should have died out there with my men. But now, I'm nothing but a cripple, a legless freak. Look, look, look at me. See that? Do you know what it's like not to be able to use your legs? Yes, sir, I do. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? You cheated me. I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny. And you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. 
I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan? As we listen to that, there, there's a lot going on there. But you have a, a guy that, that feels as if his life is over, and he's rather young at this point in the movie. And, and so, Michelle, I'm sure at times in your life, would you share a little bit about your story on how you kind of had some plans, and those got changed for you along the way, didn't they? Yes, big time. I started out um, thinking I was going to have the same life as anyone, mm-hmm. get married, have kids, drudge on till the end mm-hmm. and uh, I guess there's a different plan because I got multiple sclerosis when I was 29 and well I got first I got divorced at 28 then I went and got multiple sclerosis about a year later and then I found myself changing all the plans I had and kind of just riding the tide where it takes me now yeah and, and you, you get in these places where you got to make choices along the way. Dan has to make a choice here. Do I go on? Do I not go on? And I'm sure that's something you probably faced. The first thing I thought of when I was diagnosed is what's going to happen to my dog Mm -hmm. when I die? Well, I didn't know that it's not a fatal illness. And he died 10 years ago. Um, So things work out just the way they're supposed to work out. Yeah, and, and you, you recalibrate and you say, okay, now where do I go? What do I do from here? And I think that that's something that we all kind of struggle with is just saying, okay, do I have a purpose? Do I have a bigger meaning of, of why I'm here? And Dennis, I know we've talked about this topic before, but as we talked about it some this week, where's your mind kind of went with that? Uh, what's my purpose? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to know your purpose. No, no that's where my mind has gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's my purpose? Because... You know, I'm kind of another at another one of those seasons, and there have been different times in my life, and this caused me to th- to think about that and kind of see, looking back, what maybe some of those different roles has been as my daughter's father, uh, when I was in the media, uh, some other things that I've done in my life when I was advocating for mental health. You know, where God has put me in different places in my life, and sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't know for sure. That's that's it you don't know and you think is that my destiny we're conditioned so much particularly as men and i think michelle's had some of it too with her career path we're conditioned to think that our story has to do with what we do for a living and what our career is and having family and all that and god sees a a much larger picture than that he does you know but in in talking with people whether they're in their teens trying to plan for college what am I going to do with my career you know because everybody's asking them that question like they're going to know at 17 I found myself asking my son that the other day and I'm thinking really he's only 17 how's he going to know that but you go into their 20s or 30s you can talk to men of all ages and probably females of all ages and, and find out that they really don't know what they want to be when they grow up to some degree because you don't know what this season of life's going to bring for you you know, I've talked to guys that are, are 60 or 70, and they just say, I don't know what is in store for me now. I don't know what my purpose is at this point. Yeah, we see that so much, Sam, when men come to boot camps. Mm-hmm. And they come in, I know that I was meant for more than this. I feel like God has more for me, but I don't, I don't want to miss that. But I don't know how to figure out where that is and how to understand it. And often those times that we have tried, they've not worked out really well. Mm-hmm. You know, they've ended up being some painful times. Along the way, you know, times that we can look back and say that there's some life lessons 
but they really hurt when you're in the midst of them. And so it's hard to sometimes kind of pick up and, and want to go on from there. Michelle, if you don't mind, can I ask you a little bit about your journey with the multiple sclerosis? It, it, I know a little bit about it. My sister has it, but it's something that kind of goes in stages, doesn't it, for a lot of people? Yeah, the most common kind, um, relapsing, remitting MS, most people are diagnosed at that with that. And that's when you have a period of time where you're quote-unquote normal, and mm -hmm. then you might then you'll have a relapse where some of your brain or nerves are demyelinated and then causing deficits in mm -hmm. what you can do and what your abilities. And so there's multiple times along the way that you got to stop and say, okay, now it looks completely different today. Absolutely. Some people do that daily. Some people do it minute by minute. Mm -hmm. I want to go to a clip before we go to break because there's a danger in, in not recognizing something that can sneak in if we're not careful. And so we're going to listen to a clip from a movie called Patch Adams. It's a longer clip, but I want you to, to listen how it plays out, and especially at the very end, what we come back to on it, because I think it's important to part of our story. Everyone who comes to the ranch is a patient, yes. And every person who comes to the ranch is also a doctor. Every person who comes to the ranch is in need of some form of physical or mental health. They're patients. But also every person who comes to the ranch is in charge of taking care of someone else. Whether it's cooking for them, cleaning them, or even a simple task as listening. That makes them doctors. I use that term broadly, gentlemen, but is not a doctor someone who helps someone else? When did the term doctor get treated with such reverence as, Oh, right this way, Dr. Smith, or, excuse me, Dr. Scholes, what wonderful foot pads. Or, pardon me, Dr. Patterson, but your flatulence has no odor. At what point in history did a doctor become more than a trusted and learned friend who visited and treated the ill? Now you ask me if I've been practicing medicine. Well, if this means opening your door to those in need, those in pain, caring for them, listening to them, applying a cold cloth until a fever breaks, if this is practicing medicine, if this is treating a patient, then I am guilty as charged, sir. Did you consider the ramifications of your actions? What if one of your patients had died? What's wrong with death, sir? What are we so mortally afraid of? Why can't we treat death with a certain amount of humanity and dignity and decency and, God forbid, maybe even humor? Death is not the enemy, gentlemen. If we're going to fight a disease, let's fight one of the most terrible diseases of all, indifference. Every human being has an impact on another. A doctor's mission should be not just to prevent death, but also to improve the quality of life. That's why you treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you win. So Dennis, you had something you wanted to say about that clip as we were listening to it. Yeah, there was a part of it that I didn't want to be lost on. Is that, you know, this happened at the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond. He had checked himself into a psych ward mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, for suicide. Mm -hmm. because he thought that he might commit suicide. And that's where he really found his purpose in moving forward with this. And I, and I think that's a very crucial part of this story. Well, I think if you watch that movie, it's been a while since I've seen it, but part of his story was the first doctor that he comes in contact with really doesn't care. He's not really listening to him. To the point, it's actually pretty funny the way he handles him, the way Robin Williams handles him in the movie. But that's where he kind of says, no, it's got to be different than this. Yeah. 
you can't just put a patch on this. Yeah, exactly. That's just where his name came from. And, and so as we listen to that, you know, we get to hear a lot about, you know, taking care of one another, but there's that, that danger of indifference. That indifference, it says, does it even really matter? Can I really make a difference? And we're going to talk about that when we come back. We're going to find out how do you continue to move on? How do you continue to move on when life keeps coming at you? And then where do you go to get that answer when you say, okay, what is my purpose today or this week or this month? Because we do need to know that. We need to know why we're here because we were created for a reason. So come back and join us. We're going to talk about that and find out where we're going to get those answers. This is the story of a stove. An energy-saving stove made in Uganda. When Child Fund worked with local youth to make and sell these stoves, well, things really heated up. Because these stoves use very little wood and produce less smoke. Reducing deforestation and respiratory disease. They're creating jobs and a brighter future. This is only one of Child Fund's many innovative solutions benefiting children in need worldwide. To learn more, visit childfund.org. Child Fund. Innovative solutions, one child at a time. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and left with money ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2 min 2 xorg to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. We are just kind of searching to find an answer, aren't we, Dennis? You picked that bump in music. Not perfect music for today's topic, but why did why did you pick that? Why did you turn that mic away? You didn't want to hear me sing it, did you? I didn't, and I <laughs> knew you were going to sing it, so I moved it. You know, I love Chicago, and it's partly in honor of you because that was your first concert at 12 years old. Yeah, you were telling it was. me the other day. It was um, great band, but what powerful what a powerful message in that song you can't really tell if he's if he's talking about i can remember when i first heard that and i thought is he talking about a woman because it really doesn't sound like it he ta- it's it sounds like he's talking about something bigger than that you know when john lennon went up in the helicopter with maharishi in 67 he said and they asked him why he did it and he came down and he said to tell you the truth i thought he might slip me the answer we're all searching for that answer we're all searching for what our purpose is and the other line that he says in that song right after that, now I know my life has meaning, mm-hmm. which is just as powerful. Yeah, because we are all searching. We're all wanting to know, why am I here? What, what's my role? What's that, that, that void that I'm supposed to fill in this great thing called life? And Michelle, when we left, we were talking a little bit about the danger of indifference. And so to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, aren't there some days that don't you hear that voice that just says, you know, this is too hard? Or do you, how do you push through that? I think that my, I, I have to give credit to my father. He had polio as a child, mm. and I never heard him complain. I never saw him sit out for one minute. 
so I don't have the choice. Right. I have no choice but to keep going and even doesn't matter how I feel, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I try to think it, there's always somebody worse. Right. I'm kind of on a quest to find the worst person, you know, because everybody in today's United States thinks they have it so bad. Mm-hmm. That she, just, she brings up a great point that a lot of times I've seen God kind of point me to that I didn't realize what was going on because you see somebody that really does have it bad and you think what in the world is going on here and often those people are actually a spectacle to the rest of us that Job is a great example of that of you know God was showing what his servant would do when he met with all these different obstacles and so in this case Michelle's father part of his struggle through polio was to someday teach his daughter what a value that kind of struggle would be in her life and what it would mean to push through some things that are extremely difficult. My father also had polio and also struggled uh, similarly through a lot of things. And I watched that and watched him go through some pain. And and I didn't realize uh, actually until I was listening to your story that that was undoubtedly part of what God was teaching me through um, him being a spectacle. And one of the things that I read in one of the John Eldridge books that he talks about that for some patients, and not, not all patients, but for some patients, the best treatment for depression is to go help somebody that's uh, less fortunate than them, mm-hmm. right? And there's just something about that that brings life to them. I read know? something that said that that releases endorphins when you help people. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, it comes to the fact that after I was diagnosed with MS and moved down here, was divorced, moved to North Carolina. I started a charity to help people going through similar things, not with the MS part, but with Mm -hmm. the divorce, going back to school to go find my passion, um, to raise money to help with legal fees if that was necessary. Yeah, and and you you really got that off the ground and running, and then it kind of got shut down pretty quickly. Yeah, a couple years. Yeah, because yeah. it was just some of the changes in the laws and, and right. some of the charity stuff. And so where do we get that answer? You know, the Chicago ask us, Dennis, where do we find that answer? So if, if someone called in and said, I want to get Dennis on the phone, where would you say that you would start to look for that answer? Oh, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Because it really has to come from God. It really has to come from that that intimacy, that relationship that we develop with God. And, and John Eldridge talks about this, too. Um, we're, we're, we're in such a close relationship with him that we can hear what he's calling for us. We can hear the destiny that he has for us. Sometimes I think he may speak through other people. That's happened to me recently from, from one of our brothers, Al, who's been talking to me about there's a, there's a part of my story here that may play out later on that can help someone like my daughter or help other people. But there's certain things that I can walk through and need to walk through in order for that to take place. You don't see that because you, you want it. I, th- I think, too, for us, a lot of times it's immediacy. Okay, I not only want to do it, I want to do it today. And I want it all to happen today. And I may not want to go through these things that it takes to get there. I can't imagine, Michelle, what it is you're walking through. It makes me feel like my stuff is, is pretty minimal. But we all do have those things that go on in our lives. And God ha- has a place for us in, in that story, but there's some work that we have to do, some things that we have to do ourselves that no one else can do for us. 
and regardless of where you find yourself, there's a there's a role that you can play. And I'm going to actually go to a clip here from a movie called the, the Butterfly Circus. Now, we've used that a few times. And if you haven't ever seen this, please, please, please go on YouTube and look up the Butterfly Circus. It is a great, great little short movie. It, sometimes it's in two 10-minute segments. It's a 20-minute movie overall, but it's just so powerful. And, and the thing that was so great about it was it wasn't made by any you know a spiritual religious group of any kind. It was people that just know that we're all as humans, know that we got to have a reason to be here. You've got to have a purpose, and we're going to learn about this guy that was born without any arms or legs. And so what we hear uh, is the uh, ringmaster of the Butterfly Circus talking to him in a way that he wasn't expecting and talking about maybe helping him get some perspective. And so let's just kind of pick it up and go from there. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, what this world needs is a little wonder. Isn't it? The way they move, full of strength, color, and race. They're astounding. But you? Curse from birth. A man, if you can call him that, who God himself turned his back upon. Stop it! Why would you say that? Because you believe it. But if you could only see the beauty that can come from ashes. <laughs> but they're different from me. Yes, you do have an advantage. The greater the struggle, the more glorious the triumph. As you listen to that, Dennis, it, it talks a little bit about there's somebody here that's speaking into his life, into this person's life, and it, it, at first it doesn't seem very kind, but it ends up being you know very kind. But it, you have to change some perspective there. And so, what was the perspective that he was trying to get that person to have in this clip? You know, this image of themselves had to change, didn't it? Yeah, very much so. How he valued himself, how he looked at himself. Uh, how sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror and we may say, see something entirely different than what God sees. He was trying to bring out his, uh, what, what is really strong other than beauty comes from ashes is he's trying to bring out his glory. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show him his glory. Now, Michelle, I know that um, knowing a little bit about your story, that the whole um, uh, beauty from ashes was kind of important for you. And, and so I know there's been times in your life you've kind of had to face that a little bit. And so, in today's challenges, how do you say, okay, this is where I'm going to go tomorrow, and what's some of the passions you have on your heart right now for whatever this next season looks like? I don't try to plan ahead because mm-hmm. I don't know where I'll, what I'll be feeling like tomorrow, but I just try to do the best I can each and every day. Mm-hmm. And the whole Beauty from Ashes thing hit me very deeply because I've always felt Phoenix-like who burns up into a pile of ashes and rebirth, rebirths itself every mm-hmm. 
so many years or what. Yeah. And I've always felt like a phoenix. Yeah, in our life we will cycle. We're going to cycle through these times that, that are good. I, I know I used to believe, well, if I could just get to this point, then everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing there's a bus around the corner or there's something <laughs> else that's coming up. And, and just realizing there's still going to be good days, as you said, Michelle, and there's going to be bad days. But I just need to take advantage of those good days when I have them. And, and so trying to find, okay, what can I do with those good days that I do have? And that's exactly what MS taught me is when I do get good days or good minutes or good whatever seconds, I take huge advantage of them because tomorrow I may not be able to lift my hand. Mm-hmm. So, Robbie, if someone called you and said, okay, Robbie, I, I've listened to the show. I, I really want to know more about how I can find my role in this season. Regardless of my age, what's my role? What, would you, what advice would you give them? Well, Sam, you know, the breakthrough that we've seen in men's lives where they really got traction and really got an idea of their place in the story was in those covenant of silence times when they went and got alone with God and asked him those questions. Of course, we sometimes provided them with some questions to go to God with, you know, what God, what do you call me? God, what did you design me for? What are the things that make my heart come alive and things like that? But ultimately, this show us a success to the point that the listeners go, and take those questions to God themselves because that's where they can ultimately get the answers and there they find some of the destiny that uh, uh, Lieutenant Dan was after. The destiny that God has for us is way beyond that of our wildest dreams. Dennis, did you have something? You posed three questions to me not too long ago in that regard. Um, What is God saying? What does your heart say? And what are you passionate about? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that God will help you see sometimes is he'll say, you know, what are those things that you are passionate about? Where, where do you find life? You know, you're talking the other day about someone finding, speaking to, truth to you. And I had a friend come to me the other day and say that, um, Sam, this is where I think you need to head with your life. And what I found was that there was something there I didn't see. And God's laying that on my heart and he's working it. And that's what I ask you guys to go do. Just go pray. Go ask God, ask friends to pray and see what they're hearing. Because God has a passion for you that'll make that heart come to life in that void that needs to be filled that only you can fill. Thanks for listening. We're glad to have you, Michelle. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. And Masculine Journey Radio, how does it go? MasculineJourneyRadio.org. That's it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>